And this ties into the final thing that I wrote down, which was really trust how that person makes you feel when you're meeting with them. I mean, we say this on the podcast all the time. You can't separate money and life. And so you're going to be getting into things that are incredibly personal. You want to have a level of trust with this person that is incredibly deep. Most of the coaching conversations I have with clients initially start off with, I've never told anyone this, but it's so necessary to be able to go to that place because if I'm not clear on what you want and what's important to you and what you're yearning for that you maybe haven't told anyone else, I'm not going to be able to help you get there. Welcome to Beyond the Dollar, a podcast where we have deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. I'm Sarah Lee Kane, founder of High Fiving Dollars. And I'm Garrett Philbin, the founder of Be Awesome Not Broke. As money coaches, we want to give you space to explore your relationship with money. Guilt, stress, exhilaration, and fear, no topic is taboo. And in this episode, we're featuring you, our listeners, the coolest people on the face of this earth, outside Sarah and I, obviously. But what we're doing today is we're going to answer a few questions that you guys have all submitted. We're going to answer your questions on how to navigate work-life balance, money mindset strategies, resources we recommend, and a whole lot more. To find resources we shared in this episode, head over to www.beyondthedollar.co. Okay, get ready, grab a seat, and let's go Beyond the Dollar. Welcome, everyone, to Beyond the Dollar. Yes, everyone. If it's your first time listening, big welcome. Please consider writing us a review or subscribing to the podcast. Sarah, stop saying consider. Just be like, hey, if you're new here, (laughs) come on. If you're new here, listen, love us, write a review, subscribe. You're going to love it. I can just say that in advance. So welcome and don't consider, just do it. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. You already know Garrett's antics, so you clearly anticipated that. (laughs) This is just old hat. So Sarah, what are we going to be talking about today? Well, we got a few questions from email, social media. And so today we're actually just, it's all about you guys, the listeners, and answering your questions. Yeah, and we thought it would be fun to do because this is actually the last episode of season two that we are doing. So we thought it'd be really fun to get questions from you that you wanted to have answered by us. And so we will be back in October. We're just taking a little bit of a break to be able to revamp, do some really cool things behind the scenes and then come back with a vengeance (laughs) (laughs) and new voice effects, apparently. (laughs) So yeah, I'm really excited for this because it's fun to have the interaction on Twitter, on social, whether through the email communication that we have. And it'll be fun to take some of the questions that we get and just answer personally and answer those Do we call it on the air if it's a podcast? Yeah, why not? Cool. And answer them on the air. So our first question is from Rashid. How do you balance your career with your other life goals, i.e. volunteering, family, etc., when your career is becoming more demanding? Uh, Sarah, as someone who has a husband, a child, and a demanding career, I will let you open this one. (laughs) Uh, so you make it, they sound like they're commodities, a husband, a child. No, <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't mean it that way. <laughs> I kid. So, oh gosh, this is a really great question. This is one that I know I personally get a lot is the first thing really is to get really clear and give yourself time. And I mean like alone, okay. Away from everyone 
just just a way and just really reflect on what it is that you want from your life. It sounds like so freaking dramatic, but it's true. It's like, what is it that you want? What is it that you want your life to look like? And then you're going to then work in your priorities around that. So if you have a demanding career, that's great. But why is it demanding? Is it, does it fit in with your life goals? Does it fit in with your vision of a, of a great life? Right? So um, I made a very recent decision. This was something that's been, I think, six months in the making, which, which was really, it was a difficult decision to make in terms of, of a career shift that I'm making. But ultimately, I think I made the right choice because I, really just looked at my life and what I wanted to look like, what gave me energy levels, like what drained my energy. And then I made decisions based on that. And so it's much easier to prioritize balancing a career with life goals. If you get very honest and reflect on what's going on, what do you want your life to look like? And is it working or is it not? And if it's not working, then make the necessary changes. I will add, don't do it all at the same time, <laughs> unless you're like a type A personality like I am, which I'm crazy, as Garrett knows. <laughs> She's, she is. It's I'm, true. I'm pretty crazy in terms of that. But if, if that's not you, you, you'd like to do things one step at a time, then pick uh, what you consider the most important to scale back or to add on to and then go from there. You talked about it kind of nebulously, but what is that thing that you've been working on? Are you at liberty to share? Why, yes. <laughs> I mean, you can just keep it abstract and make it really hard for people to understand or be like, here's what it is. Come yeah. on, Sarah, tell All them right. what's up. So the big decision is that I am closing down high-fiving dollars and actually spending my energy over at Beyond the Dollar. So what happened or what has been happening was I was stretching myself too thin. And I thought it was just, I just needed to hire a VA again. I thought I needed to add more team members. And at the end of the day, I, again, reflected like what gave me a lot of energy? Why, why do I feel stretched? Why do I feel like I'm, you know, there's like doom and gloom all the time. Not really. I'm being dramatic, <laughs> but, but, still, but I mean, you feel that sense, from time to time. Yeah. A general sense of that. And the more I kind of listened to my gut, the more I journaled, the more I asked people, general questions about priorities more I realize like okay it's not a matter of how do I hire more people it's more a matter of can I merge both brands into one and still achieve the same mission that I'm that I'm currently doing and the answer was a very clear yes and so that's what I did it's a huge step and I'm super excited to have the content from high-fiving dollars and more of your energy behind beyond the dollar because you are just a total badass. And <laughs> I like what you talked about mission and you thought about your mission and what you're about and it made sense to align them. You know, in answering Rashid's question, what I would say is really mirroring Sarah's recommendations of getting clear on what's important to you. And you say when your career is becoming more demanding, that's a choice that you are making to stay in a career that is becoming more demanding or to take jobs that are more demanding or allow yourself to take on more responsibilities. And yeah, there are consequences maybe if you didn't. If you said, no, I'm not going to work more hours or no, I'm not going to do this, it's possible you could be demoted or passed over for a promotion or not keep your job. Those I'm not discounting those as real, but I just read in that question, when your career is becoming more demanding as if it's outside of your control. And I just think when working, or certainly when I work with clients, it's making them see the agency that they have in the situation and their power to affect what is going on. And so say, here's what's important to me. Is a more demanding career 
something that I am willing to take on if volunteering, family, et cetera, is really important to me. Yeah. And the idea of balance is overrated. I don't really think there's such thing as a, as a balanced life. What do you think, Garrett? Yeah, I certainly haven't found it. I think for entrepreneurs, like work-life integration <laughs> is kind of a thing. I think there is, there is balance, yes. But as Paula Pant says, and I love it when she's like, you can afford anything, but not everything. In that same way, like you can have a lot of hopefully something that is very important to you, but it's probably hard to have everything that is important, whether very or not, right? So there is some balance possible, but oftentimes not in the way that we, I think, idealize it, or I can own it, that I've idealized it. And sometimes too, Rashid, is that maybe work gets demanding for a few months, and then you lean back, and then family comes first, right? That could be a version of balance as well. And so again, it's it's very important, I think, to look at what you want your life to look like, and, and you don't have to get specific, but you can even think about like the feelings you want to invoke, sort of the, again, a general, you can say a life mission. It doesn't have to, if you're not an entrepreneur, you can think about like, what's your life's mission, things like that, and then and work from, from there. And actually, I would push back a little bit and say, you can start general, but do get specific. I've found that specificity is incredibly helpful to make things tangible and how to make progress. So that's something that in setting business goals, in setting personal development goals and therapy, it's like, hey, why do you want to have this? Why is family important to you? Why are personal relationships? And it's like, well, because I want to feel good. And the therapist would be like, <laughs> that's not a real thing. Good isn't an emotion. Like, what is it you specifically want? And not trying to get too detailed too quick, but know that like the more specific and connected you get to those individual feelings and emotions and wants, I believe will help drive you toward it. Agreed. So second questions from Sylvia. And she asked, did you start off with a completely different career pathway? And if so, did you know where you wanted to go? So Garrett, <laughs> we did sort of answer this on, um, on the last episode of season one, but care to elaborate on from that or that episode? Yeah. So I did start off in a completely different career pathway. Mine was in the music business. That's what I went to school for and what I got my degree in. So yes, it is a thing. You can get a degree in music business and entertainment industries. And it was scary trying to figure out how to transition out of that career because I got the degree, worked for four and a half years in that industry in New York City, and then realized it wasn't what I wanted to do. And it was just one of these like, holy shit moments when all of my career path and my education had put me in the direction of something that I no longer wanted to be moving toward. And it was just so stressful. And I felt as if there were no options available to me, I'm kind of closing my eyes right now and going back to the feelings when I was, I would lie on the couch that we had in the recording studio we were renting and my business partner at the time, one of them, we would just have hour long conversations about like, what is next? And you know, it was just this really dark time because what do you do when everything that you've learned and all these skills you feel are skill sets only applicable to a certain career then no longer are. And so it really helped me because you said, how did you know where you wanted to go? I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea. And I was actually really fortunate that one of my business partners, he actually gave me the idea for getting into what I'm doing now. He said, you love to teach, you love to mentor, and for some reason you nerd out on personal finance. <laughs> Is there anything there? 
And it was just like a holy crap moment for me when I'd never thought of putting those together. But as soon as I got that idea in my head, I couldn't let go of it. And so for me, I realized that having people around me who really knew what I was good at, what I wanted, they were able to put it together and synthesize that for me in a way that I wasn't able to put together for myself. So even though I didn't know where I wanted to go, I had put people in my life in positions who could help engage in conversations with me and who knew me really well and actually help me see something that I had a blind spot around myself. That's freaking awesome. Yeah, it's true. Get supportive people and not just yes people, but no people as well. Or not, no, constructive criticism people, but that doesn't sound as sexy. (laughs) But probably more accurate. Probably more accurate. For me, the short story was uh, I got pregnant. Ha ha ha. But (laughs) the longer story. Ha ha ha. ha, ha. No, no. The, The longer story is I actually did start off with an English degree and I always thought I had wanted to be a teacher since I was younger. And and it was one of the few career paths. This was before internet uh, businesses was even a possibility was uh, the the teaching was a career path where you could, you can do it internationally. And so I basically was like travels my priority. I can earn money teaching while I go to different countries. I just thought I was going to be an expat for the rest of my life. And that was going to be my life. And I loved English. I read a crap ton of books. I write a crap ton uh, in business now too. And when I was in college. So it wasn't necessarily different career pathway. I'm still using the same skills or similar skills as to as what I was doing when I was teaching. How did I know where I wanted to go? It was very much by accident. So I think I explained it in that episode where I just moved to the US. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't know how difficult it was to transfer my teaching license from Canada to the US. And so I started Googling, you know, you get a really black hole of like, it's like a YouTube black hole, but it was a Google black hole. Is that a thing? (laughs) It is now. You made it so. It is a thing now. So I coined the term, everyone. You heard it first here on Beyond the Dollar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I stumbled upon a, um, a website where it teaches you how to do freelance writing. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. So I started sending out pitches to blogs and then I started getting paid. Like, I think it was like 50 bucks a pop to write things, random things. So like the first one was about zombies. I wrote about marijuana at one point. It was weird. Anyway, so I just wrote like, I just wrote about random things. And then it was just like a fun side hustle. And then when I got pregnant, I realized like I could make a go of this because I've heard people quit their jobs and make a full-time income with just freelance writing. And so that's really was the catalyst of that. What I'm hearing in both of ours, although you described it a little bit better than I did, is that we had skills that we didn't necessarily think were applicable in other areas, but they were. And so it may be helpful to step back and take stock of what you are good at. And you might be surprised to, you know, when you step back and look at it, to see how transferable those are in a lot of different career or industry, different fields. So just a tip because I never thought that when I was in that dark place of how am I going to do anything else besides music business, I realized that, oh, in my role as being uh, both on the business side and partially on the creative side really allowed me to work well with people kind of in both the left and right brain spaces. 
And it's like, oh, that's exactly what I need to do with money coaching. And it sounds like, Sarah, you had the same thing. So just realize that more so than we think, obviously not like being a neurosurgeon, you might not have skills that are directly transferable (laughs) to that. But for a lot of service-based industries and a lot of other jobs, you have a lot of the existing soft skills. And if you just really want to learn and find something you're passionate about, you'll do the work. And Google is your best friend. Like if Google were a person, I would marry Google. Like that's how much I love Google. Back then it was Yahoo, but Yahoo's kind of eh now, so. <laughs> yeah, Yahoo's just meh. It's, <laughs> it's gone from like, yeah, to like, yeah. All right, we'll leave that in there. Okay, so next question is from Jack, who says, how does money mindset play into the overall picture, such as like systemic issues with earning money, et cetera? Oh, gosh. Okay. I don't want to speak to other people's experience. I don't feel very qualified to do that. If, if this is something that listeners are very, very interested in, please let us know. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, or even just email us because I would love to expand on this topic from somebody who could speak to a lot more of it. Now, from personal experience, money mindset playing into the overall picture, I was really hesitant to negotiate at times. I felt like, oh, I look so young, I'm Asian, I'm a female. So this was when I was uh, still living in Asia. And so over there in general, it's much more patriarchal than the US. And um, females, they have a lot less rights. And so I felt like as a female that I wasn't able to stand up for myself. And so there've been incidences where I wasn't really able to, even though I tried. Um, I can elaborate on that in another episode because this is going to take way too long if I do it here. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so but then I realized like, okay, I'm actually letting quote unquote society or the patriarchal society in China really affect my behavior and whether or not it's true. If I keep thinking about how things are going to block me from negotiating, then that's what I'm going to keep thinking. Whereas if I switch it around and say, okay, I'm going to try this. If something blocks me, then I'll handle it. That's really where things really shifted for me. Yeah. It ties in right with what I wrote down in my notes to talk about is that mindset is really the lens through which you see everything. So if you see the patriarchy and it certainly does, that that is true. And you also have power to let it affect you less than it could. So you could say victim mindset, this is the way it is, there's nothing I can do about it. Or yes, this is true, and I'm going to do everything that I can to resist and stand up for myself and what I want. And so just realize that, yeah, I think that mindset is everything, and it will be the lens through which you see the world. So if you believe that the patriarchy is in power or that making money has to be hard, for example, like you will operate and see all of your experiences in a way that will confirm that mindset. So it doesn't mean, again, that those things aren't true in the world, that money can be hard to make, that women make less than men. Like These are things that certainly the latter is statistically true, but your mindset will definitely affect how you show up and operate within those uh, realities. Again, there's so many uh, political issues, systemic issues, economic issues worldwide. It's very easy to get bogged down by it. And I don't want to say don't like ignore all that. That's not certainly what I'm saying. I'm saying is we can still be aware of it. We can still try to understand it. Maybe we can still do some research, but try to figure out like how can you give yourself power and permission to have a better mindset if, if that's what you need to do. So thanks, Jack. 
for that question. I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. That's a, it's a deep one, but shows that you're definitely aware of how important that is and trying to get some support in it. And I agree with Sarah that if people um, have experience in the challenges of the mindset or how they've overcome it, feel free to hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, or send us an email. And we'd love to have you on and have that conversation. Yes. Next question from Taylor. So what is a money mindset you overcame and how did you overcome it? Garrett? A good follow-up question to the one we just had. Uh, So again, we can talk a little bit from our own experience. For me, um, I had learned that money is hard to make. That's one that I just learned growing up. My dad worked a fair amount. He also worked summer school as a teacher at a community college. And it just seemed that it wasn't super easy to make. And so I internalize that. And that shows up in the way that I work today, where oftentimes I will work really, really, really hard, whether it's at something that is actually moving me closer to my goal, or even if it isn't, you know, I'll just see that working hard kind of has its own virtue, whether or not it's actually moving me closer to my goals, which as an entrepreneur is so important like it's not like you show up at a nine to five and someone gives you a paycheck if you don't if you aren't working in an effective way then you aren't going to get the results and likely the income so that one's been a challenging one that i am overcoming i know you said that i've overcome Uh, i'm working to overcome it and that's just the way that it is with these to be honest is i find that we can make a lot of progress but for me they kind of come, they ebb and flow. So sometimes I'll feel like I've conquered them and then I'll take the foot off the gas. And sometimes I'm like, damn, yep, that just showed up again. (laughs) All right. But at least now I've named these patterns and named these challenges that I have. And so you have to name it to change it. And so now when it shows up, at least I know what it is and can then make a conscious decision of, okay, I recognize what this is. I see it coming up. What do I want to do about it? So Sarah, how does this show up for you or what is a mindset that you have been challenged with and worked to overcome? So before I answer that, I just thought of a quote. It's by Denise Duffield Thomas. She's a, um, she's a money coach as well. And her quote is new level, new devil. So it's, you have similar, you're going to have similar issues or challenges, but whenever you reach a new level, it's, it comes up again. And so let, let's take, Income, for example, you know, let's say you want to make a hundred grand. Okay, so you made it, and then there's something blocking you from two hundred grand. So it, it's it's similar, but then it just becomes a like a different type of challenge. If that makes sense. Hmm. So for me, actually, so this one's this one. I think I'm better at again. New level, new devil is what I'm experiencing with this. Was investing. So I'm talking about investing in the stock market maybe investing in real estate, like things like that. That was a big, so the money mindset that I really had to overcome really came from about 12 years ago when I left Australia to move back to Canada and I was freaking broke. I was in debt, like I had no job prospects. Like I, I was like, no, there's, this is ridiculous. I never want to be in this position again. I want to have this shit ton of money in my bank account so I can feel safe and secure. And so I thought having cash in a savings account meant that I was safe and secure. 
And so I never did anything with my money for an incredibly long time because of that fear of somebody's going to take this money away from me or that I was going to be stupid enough to let somebody take advantage of me again. Like that was, that was a mindset that I had. And so how I really overcame it was I started reading a lot on investing. I started talking to people about it. I started reading stories of people who taught themselves how to day trade. So like, even though they, they didn't know crap about investing, they risked some of their money. So that gave me permission was reading other people's stories of things that I was personally afraid of doing because I felt like that gave me permission. So next question is from Lauren. So thank you, Lauren. Uh, What are the top three money books you recommend and the top money apps you use or recommend? Actually, Sarah, I want to hear yours first. So I'm going to put this one back on you. (laughs) Okay. So this book I read, oh gosh, at the end of 2017, and I read it probably three times, is called Overcoming Under Earning by Barbara Stanny. I was initially skeptical about this book because so many people recommended it. And it's one of those where I think I'm just a rebel. We're like, oh my gosh, so many people are recommending it. Like it's got to be a crappy book, right? (laughs) That makes no sense, but go on. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm weird. (laughs) I am so weird. So I read it and it blew my mind. So it's kind of, it's a book slash workbook. So it goes through what Barbara calls, I think it was a five-step plan to a richer life. And so it goes through an issue like your money story and then um, talking about your financial goals and like what freaks you out about certain numbers and then how do you overcome that and so overcoming under earning isn't about like actual numbers so like if you're making 50 grand or 20 grand like you're not necessarily under earning if you are um, if you have the right mindset or if you are going about it, I don't want to say the right way, but in a way that's really aligned with who you are. So the number actually doesn't matter. The, the point of the book is to um, help you, give you permission to do something that you love. We could totally go into an argument about passion projects and all that shit, but we're not going to go there, right? But it goes into earning in alignment with who you are, what you want, what's going to make you feel confident in yourself and in your life. And so that's really what the, at the core of the book is about. So it, this book, actually, I credit this book and actually the Being Boss podcast with helping me double my income this year. With like I, if I do nothing from now till the end of 2018, I will have reached my income goal. So that's awesome. Yeah. So that, that book is, and it's a very quick read. Um, I read it over once and then I went back to the exercise and the exercises are, are like kind of the difficult stuff. <laughs> so if you're willing to, to do the deep work that's required of this book, then, um, then I think you will achieve your financial and life goals. Um, the second one is by Denise Duffield Thomas called Lucky Bitch. Uh, I love the name of that. <laughs> so it's it's actually about, so the first part of the book is about the story of how she manifested a, um, I think it was a six month trip around the world where she was called, uh, her job was like a honeymoon tester. So her and her husband just went to these luxury resorts and basically got married at each one. And then they would stay at the resort. That was her job, which was awesome. That sounds but she breaks ridiculous. it. Yeah, but she breaks it down using like the practical parts of the law of attraction, not just like you're going to sit there and wish for it kind of shit, right? (laughs) Um, But she goes through that and then how you can use that to basically help you with your money and your life as well. The third one I love, Erin Lowry, she's awesome, is uh, Broke Millennial. So it's a really fun book and it goes through the nitty gritty of personal finance. So if you want something like a lot more practical, but written in a really fun way, I would totally, totally recommend that book. 
That ties into the first book I would recommend, which is You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. And for her, this book is really well written. It has a great sense of humor. If you've read You Are a Badass, she just has a pretty, I want to say acerbic wit. I don't even know if I'm using that word correctly, but we'll just keep it in there just in case so people can correct me on that. Really funny, but also just very direct and blunt and to the point, and it's delightfully refreshing. I would say hers is more around mindset than Aaron's Broke Millennial. Similar, perhaps, writing style, but more on the mindset. And there are a lot of exercises in it as well, just like Overcoming Under Earnings. I'd recommend if you read that, maybe to read it through, do the exercises that feel good to you, but maybe not to do every one, if that's going to keep you from getting through the book. So read it through first if that's your style and then go back and do the exercises if having to do the exercises would slow you down. The other two, and I'll just say quick, are Your Money or Your Life. That one is an, that's like the OG book of this list (laughs) uh, where it really talks about looking at the money that you make through how much of your time you're giving up to earn that money or when you're spending money. So it really takes money and then has you look at it in terms of time. And the last book is Money Magic by Deborah Price. And that one is really around the mindset of money and how your unconscious patterns, behaviors really drive what's going on as she goes into eight money archetypes. And it really helps you get an understanding of how you show up in different situations. So oh, here I see that I'm acting like the innocent or here I'm showing up as the victim. And so it just helps you name and give some language to ways that you're operating around money that I found have been really helpful. Awesome. Do you have any apps that you use or recommend? I use YNAB, You Need a Budget, which I love getting into the numbers to have clarity around my budget and spending plan. So I use YNAB again, stands for you need a budget. And I love that I can just see where I'm at in any specific category throughout the month. So that's been something that's helped give me a ton of awareness and intentionality in what I'm doing. So there are a couple others that I use, but I'll just give one. So Sarah, on to you. (laughs) Um, There's two that I, I haven't used, but I've heard some really great things about and I read product reviews and all that because I I like reading fine print. I'm weird. (laughs) (laughs) Is one's called Capital. Actually, I do use Capital. Sorry, I do use Capital. It's a really awesome savings app. So it's kind of like a virtual coin jar. So what you do is you link your debit card or credit card. And then um, so whenever you go and buy something, it rounds it up to the next dollar and then it saves a change for you. And so it's a really neat way to automatically save. The other one's called Debitize. So it's a so what it does it it turns your credit card into a debit card. I love that. So you one. link your. I use it too, guys. Thank you for yeah. bringing that up. I love it. Okay, it's it's great. So what you do is you. I think it's like five bucks a month or something really insignificant, and so you link your credit card to this app, and every time you spend money on your credit card, it deducts that amount that you spent from your credit card to a separate account. So then, and then. When, by the end of the month or right before the statement's due or a week before the statement's due, I think, it then takes that money and automatically pays your credit card statement for you. Yeah, so if you're someone who kind of decides whether you're going to spend money based on how much you have in your bank account, 
This is a great tool for you because as soon as you swipe money on the credit card, it's going to pull the money out of your bank account and put it into a separate account. So you will see your bank balance go down the moment you spend on the credit card versus spending money on the credit card. And then at the end of the month saying, ah, crap, like my credit card bill is this high. I now don't have as much money as I wanted or need for these other things. So if that is you, definitely look into Debitize. It's an amazing tool. Yeah, just a disclaimer. Again, do your research. I'm not 100% sure of this, but I've heard that you may possibly overdraft on your account or overdraw on your account. So let's say you spend something that's $15, you have $5 left on your savings account, you'll you'll basically overdraw by $10 and then your bank might charge you a uh, uh, overdraft fee. So just watch for that if um, if you're not watching your savings or checking account like a hawk. And, and a good reason to be more aware and see, you know, if that does happen to you, say, huh, how did I get into that place where I was able or, or where I went into overdraft, right? So then use that to ask questions around, hmm, what mindset am I in or what am I not doing that is allowing me to get in this position? But thanks for bringing that up, Sarah. Really helpful to make people aware of that. Yeah. And just another disclaimer <laughs> is these apps we're talking about are available in the U.S. So I will try my best to find ones that are equivalent to Canada. I'm Unfortunately, I don't really know much about the fintech scene in Europe, but if there's something, I'll stick it in the show notes. Awesome. And the last question that we're going to answer is from Stephanie, which is, what kind of questions or help should we ask our financial advisor or coach when we meet him or her. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, and you know, financial advisors and coaches are two different things. So I think that from the start, it's being aware of, are you going to an advisor or are you working with a coach? Because a financial advisor, you know, and a financial advisor and a financial planner can also be different things. So sometimes financial advisor, I feel like in the past has meant more a money manager and someone who deals specifically with investments versus a financial planner who should ideally be doing comprehensive planning, or yes, potentially looking over your investments. They may actively manage them or not, but also looking at things like tax planning, uh, estate planning, college planning, and doing a more holistic look at your plan, ideally putting that plan in alignment with your goals and values, versus simply doing investment management. So how do you feel about that, Sarah? Is that a pretty good or is there anything you would add to that? No, I, I agree. And I actually, sorry, I do want to add something else <laughs> is be careful where you go to ask because there are people who work in banks that they call themselves financial advisors. And while they may be advising you on financial matters, their goals may be to just sell you some investment products or to try to get you to sign up for another savings account. So it, it impacts their bottom line. So be really, really careful as to what your goals are and who you're actually asking for advice. And so this is where doing your due diligence, doing your research is really, really key. Yeah. And since you asked what kind of questions should you ask, a, a good way to figure out if their goals are aligned with yours is to ask, how do you get paid? Because that will also help answer, do they get paid when they sell you financial products? Which you're right, there are some people at banks who um, do have to put your best interests in mind. And you should remember the word if you're looking for a financial advisor or planner, it's fiduciary. 
means they have to put your best interest in mind. I think I said that a little goofy. Fiduciary, fiduciary, whichever one, just make sure you <laughs> ask, ask them and make sure that they are legally obligated to put your best interests, uh, your interests before theirs. And then just ask, how do you get paid? Is it for managing investments? And I'm going to pay you directly for the time that you spend with me so that you just get a sense of what their incentives are. And for financial coaches, you know, we aren't able to handle any investments. We don't do any insurance. And so you know, pretty much every coach should be a fiduciary technically because we can't manage investments. We don't sell any products. So by default, um, we just get paid directly for the advice that we give which means that we aren't going to have a conflict of interest. Yeah, that's a really great one. Um, something else that you can also ask is about their process. Like how, like what is it that you actually do? Like wh- how do you take me through to reach my goals? So you can even think about like, okay, well, if you're a couple and you're going to find a couple's money coach, then talk about like h- how have you helped couples? And and they you know, they generally should be able to answer that, right? If they can't, not that they're a bad money coach or a bad money advisor, it just may mean they're not the right fit for you, right? If, if they've only worked with single people or millennials and you're a Gen Xer and you want somebody much more aligned with your experience, then you might need to go some, somewhere else. And this ties into the final thing that I wrote down, which was really trust how that person makes you feel when you're meeting with them. Because that is huge. You're going to be talking about things. I mean, we say this on the podcast all the time. You can't separate money and life. And so you're going to be getting into things that are incredibly personal. You want to have a level of trust with this person that is incredibly deep. Most of the coaching conversations I have with clients initially start off with, I've never told anyone this, but... And you have to, it's so necessary to be able to go to that place because if I'm not clear on what you want and what's important to you and what you're yearning for that you maybe haven't told anyone else, I'm not going to be able to help you get there. I'm not going to be able to be open and honest and direct in the way that you need or that a client needs in order to get them to where they want to go. So just make sure that you honor what it is that you're feeling. Don't let them pressure you. Don't let them sway you from that gut feeling that you have. And, uh, Nine times out of 10, eight times out of 10, I don't know what the actual number is, <laughs> but it will that will help you steer clear of anyone who isn't a good fit for you. No, I completely agree. And just to add to that too, is beca- just because somebody is a quote unquote money coach or financial advisor or planner, doesn't mean that they are automatically someone who knows more than you. And, and by that... By that, I mean, like, don't put them on this pedestal, like, oh my gosh, you are the expert and I'm dumb and I don't know anything. And then you go into an agreement or relationship like that with that mindset, because that's not true at all. Like it should be an equal partnership, right? Like, yes, you're paying them to guide you through whatever it is that you're working through. But at the same time, you know, um, you are also bringing something to the table as well. Like I know with my clients, I learned just as much about myself working with them you know, just as much as they're learning about themselves working with me. You are the expert on yourself. And so you have to trust again in where you are and what it is that you need. And so if someone is telling you, hey, you should do this and you don't feel like it's the right fit for you, whether it's the way in which you're going to go about the process or they want you to fill out this kind of exercise and you're like, it just doesn't resonate with me, be open and honest. And then that person should have another way of doing it. Um, because not everyone fits into a box. So I really like that in terms of know yourself and honor yourself. 
And then the person should be the expert in that field around money coaching or advising or planning to be able to have a different process or tool to be able to support you in what it is that you need. So we are at time. I guess we don't have a limit, but we have kind of a self-imposed <laughs> limit. We are at time. We say it and we're on this podcast. So we're at time, Sarah. You know, I just want to thank everyone who submitted questions. So Rashid, Sylvia, Jack, Taylor, Lauren, Stephanie, there are more that we had that we weren't able to get to, but I want to specifically thank you all for sending in those questions. And it was really fun to be able to answer and have to come up with, oh man, how do we feel about all of these questions and <laughs> dive into our own experience? So thank you. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. And Garrett, do you want to say anything before we end this episode? Man, I'm just so glad for everyone who listens. Honestly, we do this because we want to create a space where we can have open and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. By having listeners, whether you send in questions or not, you're engaging in that conversation. And it just gives us a chance to be able to spread this message to more people um, with the engagement that we get from everyone. And man, this is just so much fun. And the fact that we get to do this every week, even though we're now going to take a little break until October, it is such a pleasure and it's so much fun. And we just, I just really appreciate you as listeners joining us uh, in the conversation and on the journey. Yeah, same. Boom, Mike dropped. Well, as I said, we are going to be taking a little hiatus until October, but we're going to be doing some cool stuff behind the scenes and we will be back in not too long. So any final parting words, Sarah, before we bounce? No, just because we don't have new podcast episodes coming out does not mean you cannot connect with us. So Instagram at beyond the dollar, Twitter at beyond dollar pod, email us hello at beyond the dollar.co anywhere else, Garrett. <laughs> uh, smoke signals, send them westward for me, probably eastward for Sarah. We're on opposite coasts and no, nothing else. Thank you, everyone. And we look forward to season three. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beyond the Dollar. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. And if you can think of one awesome human who would connect with what we talked about today, we'd love you forever if you shared this episode with them. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Beyond the Dollar.